Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesha here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. With two good mates who've met in London, talk about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode four. This is the Firefighter Chat. Here we speak to Carl Donald, a London firefighter, who talks us through some of the mental challenges he's faced in his environment, as well as his role models and aspirations growing up. We also continue the conversation around race, particularly interracial relationships. How are you doing, Factor? I'm good, mate. How have you been? Yeah, right, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. It's been quite a good week, to be fair, but yeah. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Just um, tiring week. But getting used, basically, just got used to it now, uh, lockdown. Another week, nothing much changes, but we'll see how it goes. We're getting better at this now, because we've got an actually another special guest. People actually listen to the podcast, which is quite good. But yeah, it's quite a privilege, actually, that we've got Carl Donald here, so he's a firefighter in the South London. Uh, the link is, I work with his wife, who, she's a fantastic colleague, and she's personally helped me with a lot of mental health issues in the past in the workplace. So I, I know I don't need to tell you, Carl, but she's a great lady. Carl, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for introducing me like that. I work in, I work in West London. I'm from South London now. Sorry. Apologies. Yeah, no, no, it's all right. It's okay. But I mean, yeah, I don't want to sound like a homewrecker then, because I know you two just happily married, aren't you, Carl? Yeah, we are recently married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you weren't. It, it won't rip my home. It's all right. My, my <laughs> wife is allowed to work with other men. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, Carl, she's, she's too tall for me. Sorry. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm digging, I'm digging a hole there. Yeah, the yeah. Um, <laughs> That's it. I'll say nothing. Right? This is tough, <laughs> tough <laughs> for you, Mashi. I'm just going to sit back. Hard, I wish you congratulations on your I'm wedding, Carl. I'm, I'm actually sweating. <laughs> <sweating. laughs> um, <laughs> You've genuinely got a towel, haven't you? You're genuinely mopping yourself up. <laughs> yeah, Carl, yeah. Have you to introduce yourself about where, where you come from or what you're doing stuff. Okay, yeah. So I'm Carl Donald. I'm from, obviously, I'm from Southfields in London near Wimbledon. And uh, I currently work as a firefighter. I have done for 19 years. Uh, yeah, just over 19 years. And um, yeah, that is it. I'm enjoying my job and my life. Yeah, so... Yeah, fire away. How'd you find Southfields, Carl? How was it growing up there? I had a good upbringing in Southfields. I had a lot of fun. It was good for me there. It was a it was a good foundation, I would say. I knew nothing really of the relative difference in demographics of like, let's say, Brixton or Peckham. So it was a real multicultural sort of area and I, I really, really enjoyed it there, yeah. Has it changed a lot in the last? Because I, I used I was living yeah. around there a bit a couple of years ago. Has have you been back to the areas? Because you said you're working in West London now. Have you been back there? And has it changed a lot, or is it pretty much the same? Yeah, I've been back a few times. It's definitely changed. It's like a completely different place. You know, it's uh, it's an expensive place now. So you know, it's quite different to when I was growing up. There, it was a bit more working class, I would say. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I feel as if. Southfields now is quite gentrified and same probably the same thing with Brixton compared to what it was like when, yeah, when you got up there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's it's gentrified. And I don't that doesn't I don't yeah. mean to sound negative in that in that phrase of gentrification, but it's just it just is different, I suppose. And it but yeah, it's it, to be fair, compared to like Brixton or Clapham Junction and Battersea and so on, 
it's uh, like a village, <laughs> to be honest. We yeah, had one, yeah. When I was growing up, we yeah. had one bus that went round there. It was literally only the district line that goes there. And so it's a bit more of a village. Shops closed at like eight, you know, and, you know, convenience shops and stuff. So when my family would come up from Battersea and so on, they'd be like, you know, nine o'clock, I'm just going to fly down the shop. We'd be like, no, nah, you're definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> it's quite, yeah, it was, it was a, it's quite villagey and always has been, I would say. What did your parents do, Carl, for a living? So I lived with just my mum and my sister. And my mum was obviously a single parent and she was, she'd done like mainly tertiary jobs really just to keep the house together. At, at one point she was actually a dinner lady at my primary school. Um, and yeah, and so there were jobs in that vein. She had cleaning jobs. Putney was quite close so she had jobs like that. But which meant, I suppose, that things were financially quite difficult for us. And so in my head I had it that I just, didn't want that I didn't want to go forward with that in my own life I'm sure every child with financial struggles has that view or that thought or that feeling you know like I do not want to repeat this you know yeah so, definitely I think it's it's a case of obviously just looking after your mum isn't it yeah absolutely. knowing that she's gone through it and she, yeah you still want to give it back to her yeah yeah absolutely but at what point or what made you go to join the fire brigade oh man it was it was actually a bit of, I wanted to do so many different things. But as a child, obviously, you have the, the basic ones. Everyone wants to be a firefighter or this or that. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. wanted to be a pilot. <laughs> I really, really want to be a pilot. That was my, you know, that was my main thing. I used to just, and I'd never, I hadn't flown. I had never flown until I was like <laughs> 14 or 15. I'd never even been on a plane, but I just knew that that is just a cool job. I want to do that. And then one of my teachers are like, yeah, you probably could only get there through the military and with the way you behave at school you'll probably only pick up a spanner at best so I thought well <laughs> let's let's maybe not explore that anymore and then I um I thought well I definitely won't be joining the military I'm I'm a peaceful person so I definitely yeah. will not be doing anything <laughs> like that and yeah so I just thought and then I found out the price of becoming a pilot and I thought it, at the time it was about oh, it probably still is around a hundred grand I, I thought well you know, coming from the background, I, I, I don't think I'd ever seen, you know, £5,000, let alone £100,000. Yeah, yeah that, that was definitely out of the question. It's quite funny when you say you're a, you're a child and you might think, oh, you'd be a firefighter. I was I was one of those. So I was like, right, either okay, to be a, yeah. a DJ in football or a firefighter. And then I realised I realized I wasn't very good in uh, hot holidays. And I was like, I can't. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to handle the heat. I can't handle the heat in bloody Greece. I'm not gonna handle it in burning buildings. They'll give you. They give you a fan when you're big time. Oh, no. I've seen what you wear. I've seen the suits you wear, Carl. <laughs> oh well. To be fair, I really love being hot. So yeah. The sauna or the Caribbean or anything like that. <laughs> in the winter, it's the best job to have. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, to be truthful. Oh, sorry, you did actually ask about me joining the fire brigade. But um, my uncle is someone I, I looked up to, and he joined the fire brigade in 94. So I always said to my schoolmates, right, I'm going to join the fire brigade. Even though I didn't initially, I didn't do it straight away. You can join at 18, and I didn't. Okay. Um, I joined at 22. But I was like, yep, yeah, guys, I'm definitely going to do it. And like I said, I wasn't the best behaved at school. I, so roll their eyes and say, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if you're able to join the fire brigade because you don't behave that well. But yeah, I, once I had seen him join, I thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then 
years down the line, like I said, I was 22. So he, my uncle sort of helped me yes. fill in my application form. It was a really, really, really difficult thing to get in the brigade at the time, but he helped me do it. How, yeah, how is that? How is, what's the toughest challenge with getting into the fire brigade? Well, so this, again, I've given my age, I think, but um, I'm, this is definitely going to age me. But you basically, you would pick up your phone, your house phone, You'd pick up the phone, you'd call the number, it would be engaged, so you hang up, call again, hang up, call again, until the phone actually rings, and that's the time that you get your, your application. So you were just lucky to manage to get through on the phone. That was the hardest part. The rest was, you know, quite simple instructions. Fill in in black ink. If you didn't fill in in black ink, they'll just chuck it in the bin because you didn't read the very first thing the fire brigade have asked you to do. <laughs> yeah. So you, that you shouldn't be failing at that stage, but unfortunately people did. And, it, and so there were a few steps to the process. So there were fitness tests, aptitude tests, medicals, and then they wanted to go for your, uh, your references, which I also did loads of tertiary jobs, driving jobs and so on. So they weren't necessarily great references that I had, but it worked. It was, you know, I think I, I probably managed to charm them in my interview somehow. <laughs> you know, I don't know how, I really don't. <laughs> I can I can tell from this two minute conversation with our car. You know, you've already got me here. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> That's very kind of you. <laughs> What's the toughest um, challenge you faced within the fire brigade? If you can, yeah, talk about yeah, it. yeah. The toughest challenge. Actually, it's good that this is focused on mental health. Actually, because I would say it was something that hit me by surprise, which is, you know. As years go down the line, you, you, you join the fire brigade and you're able to compartmentalise every incident that you go to. You just, you're, you're, like I said, you're task focused. So you are able to push that to the side. You want to get the job done and get them, get the individual into safety and, and out of harm's way. But uh, I went to an incident where it just, it was, it was someone had been run over. But I'd been to that many a time in, in, in all that time that I've been in the job. But it just, mm. it was something that I feel like it pushed me to a mental sort of, I don't, I wasn't, well, actually this individual's mother turned up on the scene and that really threw me, yeah. that really, that pushed me, you know, like after that, it pushed me a bit further than I, I expected it to because it's a, it's a regular thing that I've been to, not hundreds of times, but many a time before. And then that pushed me, it just, it made me react to things in my regular life. Maybe it's because of my own relatives looking at this individual thinking, well, this could be, you know, this could be a relative of mine or anything. But I'm usually for all these years been able to put that to the side. And this time was different. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was just because the arrival of the, the mother on the scene, you know. So when you say you put it to the side, Carl, how... How do you prepare yourself mentally? So obviously you get the call, you've got a certain scenario, but obviously it's still must be a bit of a shock, is it not? When you actually see, when you actually get to the the place and the event. No, no, it's not. It's not? No, 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 no. It's not really a shock. It's you're you're literally there as a problem solver. That is exactly yeah. what you're there to do. So someone's handed you a problem, and you say, "All right, well, this is how I'm going to deal with that." And and with your colleagues and your team and so on, that is how you go about achieving that. You just try and solve that problem uh, so you're maybe brush it under the carpet I don't know it's, I, yeah. obviously these aren't the right things to do but that's possibly what we do and then there is the interaction between each other we know 
that there's there's a lot of banter. Not whether it's negative or positive. It's just yeah. we are close to each other. You cut, you build bonds through these kind of things. You know, you've experienced the same thing. You've been to the same incident, and uh, you've been to even similar incidents, and you can talk your way through it. And you know, through jokes, it's never really. You never sit sitting down over a cup of tea and counselling each other. It's more. Yeah. You just jokes flying about or whatever. Um, but yeah, you're able to, at first, I suppose, in the first couple of years, it's like, this is the most shocking thing you've ever done. Or not even the first couple of years, for the first few months, maybe. But then after a while, it just goes on and goes on. You know, um, it becomes your job. It's just the job kind of thing. It sounds like, because uh, I guess you do, you respond to the call and then you deal with it. You, you worked in a team you all go off you know yes. it's job done but then you just you said you know that one particular instant was for you particularly just hit you hit your heart and I guess your colleagues might get hit they, they might get hit at different times yeah, with a different job and no one knows where that line is so when you're when you have your sort of moment um Absolutely. and you, you tell jokes about it you know it's a cathartic way to get out were you firstly aware of any support from the fire station itself and would you ever use that if it if it was made? so the fire service do offer counseling and you can call them for anything for someone whether it's as small as getting the wedding ring stuck on their finger or to something as huge as grenfell you can go to them and you know talk to there, there are lots there are a good few services they want to keep us they want to you know they want to keep us mentally fit you know and the, but it, but the thing is, yeah. we have this facility offered to us. Yeah. Whether we take it up or not is is the question. You know, I I haven't really haven't really taken it up with them. You know, or taken them up on there on the offer there. Yeah, because because Mesh and I have spoken a bit about because from our rugby yeah. context, we've. You know, we approach mental health really from rugby initially, and then you know we're going to spill out into work and and other places as well. But from rugby specifically, sure. we we talk about the the language around mental health for future, like you know, international teams, example, the way that hopefully the people are going to start using the language around mental health in a positive way, so that you it's just part and parcel, you know, just of well being in general. So you you have your health, your physical well-being, and then discussing the game, if we use the rugby context, discussing yeah. the game, your fears about what might go wrong, what you aspire to do, just getting that talk up. It's something we want to see happen more. Within your work, this is your working environment, obviously, the fire department. Do you think that would be beneficial to, if that was part of the sort of curriculum so that it didn't have to be something that you reached out for? Or do you think that's going too far? Well, no, I think it would be great if, okay, then I'll tell you this. If you go to a particular incident, they will call you and ask you, do you want us to help you? So this is already in the fabric of conversation that they would like to offer you help. The fire service will offer you help to get through any incident. It's, it's made very plain and obvious that you are able to go and get this help. What I would say is, I think just okay maybe i'm i'm generalizing here but i think generally men will not go to the doctors and not deal with things a man is usually the type of person to have his arm hanging up and be like oh you know it should be or it will heal itself kind of thing 
although there's also the whole man flu thing, which is the other end of the scale. <laughs> but generally, we all got that uncle, your dad, or whatever, is like, ah, oh, it should be all right. I'll be over it in a few, you know, and six months down the line, they're still limping away. And you think, come on, let's get this sorted. So, you know, we, we know that we've got this facility there. I don't know how many people that are using it. And if they are, they're not coming to me and saying, or not coming to the watch and saying, yeah, guys, I just went down to so-and-so to talk, talk about this. It, it would be few and far between. I, talked, I spoke to someone just recently that went and he went and got uh, some, he had a conversation with people about <coughs> how to process I think he was going through the divorce. He had Grenfell and so on. Yeah. You know, to me, he's a really strong guy because he's he's out there. He's talking about it. He's like, this is what I did. This is what happened. Whereas that's not common. That is not common. Do you think they don't, obviously blokes in general, Carl, don't really speak about mental health. But do you think they don't speak in the fire brigade because they don't want to see weak in front of their teammates, do you reckon? Or... There's going to be a percentage of that. There's sure. definitely a huge percentage of that. Because I feel as if you've, especially you guys, You've kind of got to put on a brave face no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nature of your job. Yeah. Um, yeah, but which is not that helpful, as we all know. Yeah. That's not yeah. that helpful. To put on a brave face is not to be yeah. brave. It's just putting on. It's just fake. You know, you want you want to be you want to be as honest as you possibly can be. And if you're in a situation where you're either going to break down and cry, or you know, run out scared, which yeah. I've not seen. I've not seen either of those, but I'm just saying you, you're putting yourself at risk and why do that? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And putting and you're putting your team at risk as well. If you're if you're keeping your that team, team, team you're helping. Yeah, if you keep it to yourself and if it, it spills out in a way that you can't control and you, you haven't taken the onus on yourself to sort it, that's sick and affect the whole team. And maybe because I don't know, you know, from rugby, from work, from in my environment, that that doesn't get discussed. You know, it's always the individual, yeah. and just like, well, you know, when you're ready, you'll sort it. But actually, yeah. it's appreciating the teamness of where you work in the environment. Yeah, absolutely, I think that we um, we're probably getting better at, at processing things. But you know, I, I think that uh, when you're on a watch, you're likely to be so we're. The, the group that you're in, there's four watches right. on a station. Um, so there's basically four shift patterns. So when you're when you're on a watch, you're with those guys for usually, I would say that average is about five years that you that you work with the same group. I've been on the current watch that I'm on for coming up 10 years and oh. largely it stayed pretty much the same. Um, so I know these guys, I know them very well. And pretty much, I know the foods they don't like. I know the type of women they're into. I know <laughs> the TV programs they watch, and I know their kids' names and the TV and the sports they are into. So I will know or will know about each other. Not me personally. I don't know. You know, I'm not claiming to be some saint or anything. But we will know about each other when it, that person doesn't seem quite right. Something's yeah. wrong with them. You know. How do you find the environment? Is it? Is that even wrong, Carl? Do you have any female firefighters in your brigade or? Is it still pretty blokey? In, in the whole brigade, there's like 6,000 people in the brigade, so there are definitely female firefighters. There are female firefighters at my station, but I think there's about 90 people on the whole station across the four watches, right? And yeah. I would say there are, I would say there are about, one, two, three, four, it's roughly five women, five or six women, I'm trying to remember, yeah. but yeah, five or six women across the watches. 
Um, so so yeah, not not many. It's not a. But but then that's just one station. There are obviously lots of women in of the fire service. Yeah, of course. Because I think that was a question that me and fact we were going to allude to at some point is the whole like masculinity vibe, especially in the fire brigade. Yeah. Like yeah. obviously from the outside looking in, we don't know much of the fire brigade, but you see it similar like as an army or like a brotherhood, like every like without being cliched. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It, is, it can be quite a masculine environment, but I, but. I think that even if you look at masculinity, probably as a as a youngster, when I looked at masculinity, I was looking at it from a point of you know how strong you are physically, and and you know you're you're the man of the house, you know this, that, and the other, and and it turns out that it's not really any of that at all. It's it's for keeping yourself and your mind strong, and being able to take care of yourself and throw your hands up and say you know what guys i'm struggling with this so masculinity i suppose changes it it changes over the years for an individual i suppose so i don't know if i don't know if i could say that the environment is is masculine if you're talking about have we got um, uh, um pictures of naked women half naked women about the place or anything like that no we're definitely yeah. not we're definitely past that you know <laughs> i think society is past that yeah. too yeah. so if that's yeah. if that is the picture of masculinity we're definitely not that but yeah you know it, yeah it, it can be you've got lots of men there. so what can i say we just be natural as we are whatever comes to us i suppose we're as natural as that yeah, and you were talking earlier, Carl, about your uncle a bit at oh, the yeah, start, yeah, yeah. and so so we, you know, we've all had we'll have male uh, role models in our lives yeah. that we'll look up to and and we'll learn from or, or yeah. take stuff and we'll leave stuff. You know, as you get older, what what influence? How how was your uncle on you in that respect? Yeah, he was really good actually. He's he was actually my best man. So he was he was a, he was nice. a good a great influence to me. To be fair, he's um he he showed me like about because he learned a lot of things late himself so he joined the fire brigade at 28 and he was like look this is what you got to do get yourself a steady job and you know make sure you've got a, a career a job that's more than a job it's a career and a pension and a reasonable wage a relatively good wage among the my peers i suppose which i had when i was 22 i my earnings were great you know but when i became an adult the money that we're being paid <laughs> everyone surpassed me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah my uncle was really good but my uncle was uh, a really good influence on me i would say you know pointing that out for me and he knew that i had ambitions to surpass my um growing up environment you know i've got a few questions here carl to type the firefighting section yeah 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 absolutely apologize these are stereotypical these mainly these i've taken from american movies so it could be, oh, no. it could be oh, no. it could be yes or no or they could be as long as you want all right fine okay go so ahead. Have you ever saved any small animals from a tree? Okay, I've saved small animals, both actually cats. One of them, but the neighbor, none of them were up a tree. One of them was on a ledge, uh, you know, a tower block. It was just on the roof of, you know, sort of as you're going into the block, it was on the, yep. the roof of the foyer. Um, and one of them was trapped in someone's garden. It was scared. And so I was scared and I dressed in my full uniform, visor down and everything. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't taking any chances, you know, because <laughs> you know, if it, would, if it had scratched me loads, it would have just been unfortunate and my colleagues would have found that hilarious. Whereas, whereas I would have had a scratched up face and I don't need that. <laughs> so, so yes, I have, so that answer is yes, I've rescued animals, but not from the tree. 
that's close enough. Have you it? ever that's had a nap in the fire station? <laughs> I'll be incriminating myself if I said anything about that. <laughs> no comment, no comment, no comment, no comment. No, we're Carl, mate. Good to see you. No, no, we understand, Carl. We can see. <laughs> I stayed. I love well, stayed. Do fair, you have a pole enough. that you can yeah. slide down from the top to the bottom floor? Yes, indeed. Oh. Yes, indeed. We really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so handy. Does it not give you burn when you go down? Are you wearing your gloves? No, no, no. You're just in your <laughs> so you're wearing a t-shirt and trousers, and you oh. slide down. It's um. The old ones were brass and now it's some kind of steel that's obviously rubbed and so on. But yeah, it's um nice. Yeah, it's it's a real convenient way from getting up high, believe me. Because it's quick and you gotta be at an incident within a certain amount of seconds or minutes or what have you. So you it's really okay. convenient. Yeah. I mean paint the scene before that happens. So the bell goes, you all get down the pole. What what's happening in right, the so- so if we're in the mess, mess or, or whatever you call I it, I don't know where you're what's going on. Yeah, it is the mess. Yeah. So I think people are into what firefighters are doing. Yeah. So you're really, really hungry. We've got a roast cooked up and you've put all the sauces on that you want and everything's perfect. That's when the bells tend to go down. <laughs> <laughs> so people know, okay, I reckon the local fire stations, they're just about to eat maybe. They've not eaten for hours. So, so we get called out then. And so you, you get up, you leave your food. I mean, you can't exactly take a roast on the truck. So you leave your food and you go, you literally slide down the pole, yeah. go to the truck, kick your shoes off and your, your leggings are, are around your boots. I don't know if you've seen it, but your leggings are tucked around your boots. So you stand in your boots, you nice. put your, your leggings on and you put your jacket on and you're ready to go within seconds. This is the final question, Carl. Probably one for the ladies, but do you take your uniform home, including your helmet? Uh, can I? Abstain again? <laughs> oh, yeah, abstain again. I mean, I mean, I'm not sorry, Carl. I was meant to try to get to your bedroom. We can see it hung up behind you anyway. This is all the this is all the common code. All right, well, you can abstain that one. That was actually good. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> You haven't really talked about your, your background, Carl. Where is it? Where's the heritage or yeah, from your parents or your family? So my mum is mixed race. So she is oh. her her mum's white and her dad is Jamaican. So I was brought up, I suppose, in a Jamaican household. Uh, that is like nice. it, it traditionally like a Jamaican household, I would say. And then my dad, he's he's from Trinidad, but we, yeah, we weren't that close to be fair. Cool. So I I didn't get a great deal of that culture but i was definitely brought up in like a jamaican household yeah so so those those are my backgrounds basically from all, nice. um, all over the caribbean were you and your sister born in england yeah 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 we're born in england yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. my mum and dad were born in england too oh nice have you been back to jamaica have you been to the caribbean anything recently i feel as though i need to abstain again I, I've, been to the, <laughs> I've, been to the, I've been to the caribbean loads i've been to Puerto Rico, I've been to St. Lucia, I've been to loads of different islands, Cuba. Nice. I've been to surrounding islands to Jamaica and never been to Jamaica. And my daughter is so angry with me about it. My colleagues, are, you know, like my, my colleague is, he's from St. Kitts. He's my really good oh, friend. Really? And he's like, oh, you know, how come you've never been? You've <laughs> never, ever been. And like, and this was like close to being the year. And then it turns out we get locked down. So, 
you know, I've never been to Trinidad or Jamaica, and I feel I feel horrendous about it. So thank you for bringing that up. But no, I've never been. When we reach Jamaica in the in this broadcast, then no, surely, surely not. I will be there for that one. <laughs> it won't be. It won't be a, a telephone call there. So, same thing with me, Carl. I've my past two relationships have been like white white middle class ladies. Right. And there's been like obviously not that. There's been incidents where like there's some sort of friction, not between us two, but other people looking in, looking out. Yeah. Um, and there's been a couple of times. I think there's, so. There's one time in. In Bristol, we're on a date, me and her, and then just people just whispering yeah. stuff as they go past. Um, I don't know if you've ever yeah. a custom started with any of your past relationships, or either here or abroad. Um, I've not, I've not really um, had to deal with that kind of negativity. People are more. I've had family members be not that cool about it. Definitely, I've had that, but. As, the way I look at it, as long as my mum's okay and my sister okay about it, then I'm not really fussed about really anybody else. And even if they weren't okay about it, then I suppose it's just also something that they've got to deal with. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, but it's a surmountable thing. But for me, the way society will look at my relationship or whatever, you could, um, I, I'm so much more and we are so much more than a black man and a white woman. We're so much more than that. So I could be all sorts of things in my relationship but that probably is not the thing to judge me on or to judge her on we've got so many more characteristics than than just looking at than just being a black man that is definitely an important thing to me of course but but that's just the beginning of it and if you your view if you have the view that um that that's an important thing to you then i then me and you haven't got time for each other anyway you're not my kind of person anyway Valuing the opinion of the people you actually care about. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. Like you said, like, like you said, your mum, your sister. Like, if that's appeasing them, then that's all that matters. Like, who cares? Yeah. About the rest? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like I said, family have said things, and and even there have been times where you know, like the, the same old stories. I've been ignored by taxis and so on, and Kim mm. and, and Kim's not seen, not not seen it, but she didn't know what the hell was going on. She's kind yeah. of thinking, well, maybe maybe he didn't see you. And, I, and and so that started its own sort of conversation. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not so much external things. Well, obviously, the cab driver ignoring me is external. But I mean, it's not so much that I'm taking external opinions. I'm just having to make sure that she's aware of what's going on with with me and how pe- and how I'm being treated externally. I suppose, uh, or how yeah, how my environment is is reacting to me um, being a black man. And potentially, if we do have children, that how her children are going to be treated too, you know? That's good that you've been able to express that as well. That's one thing I showed them in my past relationship. It was like four or five years ago, but sometimes it's quite tricky. I find it quite hard to tell them, like, or to give them a justification why why this is happening. Because obviously it's pretty shocking. They've never experienced it, which you can't can't begrudge that from them. It's like, oh, we've kind kind of brought up with it. It's like... It's one of those conversations which you need to have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it does, and it comes up a lot. You know, like it, so. For example, if I were going on holiday, yeah. right? If I were going somewhere, and or someone said to me, "Oh yeah, I went to Budapest." If they're black, I'm going to say to them, "What was it like?" The question I'm actually asking them is, "How yeah. are we treated? How are we received over there?" But if my white colleagues ask each other, "Oh, how was Budapest?" The answer is. It's a pound yeah, of fun. Yeah. That is absolutely hard. So, so true. I mean? so that true. Is, that's what it, 
that is, yeah. that's the answer. But when I'm talking to a black yeah, man, yeah. it's always going to be like, oh, what's it like over there? And, and his answer is, well, they're this or they're that, or this is how yeah. it is, you know? That's the answer. So I've had to, so then I've had to explain to her that, well, I ain't had to explain it. She'll see that that's what we're talking about. It's, it's obvious why I'm asking that. And, and maybe she'll feel hostility. She might be a better person to ask, actually. Because you've gone from being a white person and a white woman, so going through whatever issues a woman has to go with. So that's all you've ever had to deal with is, is uh, that's how society is treating you, you know, on your appearance, on your this, that, and the other, because of being a woman. But now, on top of that, you're seeing something from yeah. another point of view with a black man and how society is treating him. And you didn't even know this existed. You thought that it was just you maybe when we you know like men are bibbing you i've seen all this kind of thing and this craziness obviously i grew up with a mum and sister and now i have two daughters i yeah. have to be there's no way you know i can't be hanging with anyone that's bibbing women and all that kind of thing that's not that, that won't work for me but the viewpoint that she may have seen things from and now she's having to see it from where i'm coming from and what's still and how society's treating me i suppose you mentioned a car, so when, like, if you go to Budapest and you come back and then your colleagues will ask you about it, and then, so, if it's generally, like, a white colleague, it'll be like, yeah, yeah, it's pound a pint, so you're talking about, you know, the holiday, but I think with, with what's going on, you know, in the last few weeks and stuff, a lot of people there are sort of analysing these conversations in a, in a bit more detail and, and trying to, people are just sort of analysing it a bit more. Uh, I just think, if a white colleague asked, you know, came up and said, you know, how, how was it over there? Um, and they meant it on a racial sort of level. Yeah. How would you, what would, would you welcome more conversations like that in, in your place of work? Or do you think it, it doesn't really, it's not actually doing that much. It's, it's not really helping much. Is it just chat? I would, I would absolutely about? welcome it. And I think it should always be working if the intention behind it is to learn and to gain knowledge. If I'm explaining something to you, if I, you know, I actually, did we did face a bit of problems in Budapest we I actually went with my work colleagues so they were able to see it themselves we kind of got shifted out of a bar kind of thing um it's welcome conversation about race I would always, I think it's good as long as the intention behind it is to learn and to find out more about about things that you never even considered in your life you know you know you whether someone's standing at a bar for 10-15 minutes as opposed to everyone else walking up and being served walking up and being served like that is that is something that I would want them to say, oh, well, how, how are you treated over there? I would love that. I would love them to, to ask me those kind of things. But, to, you know, I, just for a point of understanding, because these are people, like I said, we know each other. We know each other's kids' names. We know each other's favourite foods and things. They don't even, you know, they don't even tell most people. So you, these are your, basically like your family. So I want them to have an understanding. The one thing I'm not talking to them about is, people you know attacks ignoring me or whatever the the issue is of the of that moment yeah. and 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 he, and the other thing is bringing it up is kind of either a boring and b embarrassing it's not, it's not to say that it's boring because of course but if i talk, if i say this happened to me i don't want to get the feeling of oh here we go again you know you come in with a new right. story oh this, yeah. this happened to me oh here we bloody go. Go on and what happened this time? And maybe like, again, oh, maybe he didn't see her, or maybe he was having a bad day. I'm six foot three. I'm fairly conspicuous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm reasonably conspicuous. Yeah. I would have been seen by a taxi, um, uh, a taxi driver. You, you know, I, so <clears throat> it's 
but I would love it as a topic of conversation in the same way that I choose to find out about someone else and their family um, and their background. If you're from whatever country, any country on the planet, I want to know more about it, not because of any other reason than it's really interesting to me, really, really interesting. So if you say to me that these are the problems you face, then I'll believe you. Then I instantly would believe you. Or these are the positives that you face. I believe what, I don't think you're sitting there making a story for me to, to, to pour over and to say, you know, to say, you know, pour I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's making an education, but yeah. some people are just scared of saying the wrong thing, but I'm of probably the same opinion as you where it's like, don't be afraid of it. Like you're going to, you're going to say, you know what I mean? Like say nah. if you say something untoward, you just like, oh, you can't say that. That's it. Like it's not like you're going to correct them. Unless, yeah. unless you correct people, they're going to just gonna keep acting the same way. Yeah, absolutely. You're, by not saying anything, you're giving tacit approval yeah. of what's being said. So if you don't say, hang on a minute, mate, that's a bit too far, then kind of agree into it or asking to be, not necessarily asking for it to be done again, but you're kind of agreeing to it. But at the same time, you do not want to be the guy at work that's like, oh, you know, this is what happened to me or that's what happened to me. There's so many incidents that have happened and I just think, just leave it. I'll talk to my black colleagues about it or my black friends about it because yeah. they'll because they'll instantly get it. They won't not believe me. I, I yeah. can, you know, and and even then we're not. You know, black people don't meet up and say this negative thing happened to me. That, yeah. what, yeah. that is, you know, that's not life. That is not life. You know, but we. But if I did say, like I said, we ask each other how this area was or this club or whatever this country, so you know that they'd believe me instantly. If I said, oh yeah, it takes a bit, you know, the bouncers treated me like this or this country, they did this. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I understand. And we move on. I'm not sitting there pouring over it. I'm not crying. They're not upset. They yeah. just understand. We just have an understanding of what's going on. I would appreciate and love it if people approached me of all colours and races and everything and said to me, what happened there? And I told them and that was the end of it. They said, oh, right, that's a shame. But they're also not going to experience it. So why ask? Why would a, why would a um, blonde hair, blue-eyed person ask me about my treatment in um, Seville? Well, okay, then, well, you've asked me that, and I'm, I've told you it, but you're never going to be treated like that. When you go with your partner, if you're both white, everything's cool for you. Isn't it, is, yeah. It's cool, you know? Yeah. I, James, James you're gonna have to you're gonna have to rip up that question about asking about Seville then. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, that's a real question, James. <laughs> no, but I, I would still love you for you. Still love to tell you. Chuck it out. Um, chuck but yeah, no, I'm chucked in the bin This whole the whole events have happened last few weeks. I think it has raised awareness for a lot of people, and just I think people are definitely self-reflecting now, probably going back in their head and be like, oh shit, yeah, like, that actually happened. Yeah. In the past, because yeah, yeah. I would like to think so. I would like to think so. I think we've been locked down, so we've not been able to ride over things so smoothly. Like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, like Eric Garner was 2014, I believe. Um, but we were able to ride over that. I don't know why that 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 really hurt, you know. But everyone else was like, oh, yeah, you know, let's carry on. Maybe he was this, maybe he had a bad attitude, maybe this, that, and the other. Now. We're actually sat at home. We're, we've got time to reflect on the rest of the world now. We can look at things and, and introduce ourselves to people and ideas that we've never uh, taken time to do before. So now you're looking at TV like, actually, this is not just, this is a human that's been killed, like murdered in front, yeah. of, in front, in front of a camera. Surely this ain't right. So the anger is absolutely understood. 
absolutely understood. And and like I say, we've got time to sit indoors and we've got not much else going on. So we're looking, thinking, nah, this this can't be the right thing. You still get the the All Lives Matter crew, which are, I mean, that's kind of what we've been saying all along. All Lives Matter, so treat us well, please. That's, that's, that's literally, we, we agree. All Lives definitely do matter until yeah. it comes time to arrest someone for for hurting, harming, yeah. killing, or arresting, or locking up for an unreasonable amount of time a black person. You know, and 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 it's not just America. It's 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 all over Europe too. It's it's the UK. It's not, it, these things have been happening. Um, you know, for a long time. Obviously, when I was growing up, the whole Stephen Lawrence thing was going on. That was like ninety three. He's like about three or four years older than me. So it's still, you know, you still had people trying to find out was he in a gang or what was this that? No, he was just on his way home, and, and that's. That's what happened. But his family weren't served justice at the time. At the time, what yeah. we want is someone, you know, if they commit a crime, that's, I thought that was the, the basis on, of society. You commit a crime, you go down. But it turns out that it, it depends who the perpetrator is and the victim. It's true. So true. <laughs> So it's that time of the show for Triple Threat where Amesh or Carl will have to either sing a song, tell a joke or tell a story depending on how the coin falls. So Meshi, give it a flip. And Carl, do you want to call it? And if you call it, if you call it right, you don't do it. If I call it right, I don't do it. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Do, Carl. Okay. I'll call it heads. Oh, heads. <laughs> oh, lovely. Love it. interest. what did you have lined up just to, just if you had got it? Well, as you point out, I'm a dad, so all I've got is dad jokes. You've come to the right clientele. Meshi's going to tell a dad yeah, joke. Yeah, so, uh, love dad jokes. <laughs> it's quite good we actually had you on the show today, Carl, because I'm a big, big fan of Caribbean cuisine. I went the other day and I was like, oh, pies in Jamaica cost £2.50. But pies in Trinidad and Tobago cost three pound fifty. What can I say? I guess it's just the Pirates of the Caribbean. That's good. I like that. I like that. As dad jokes, oh. that was great. See now, we, now I want to hear your dad joke. You can't. Oh, this is so hard. Yeah, reflip, flip again. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, no, I'll go for it anyway. I'll go for it anyway. So there was an English cat and a French cat went to race across the channel. The English cat was called one, two, three. The French cat is called under toi. Yeah. You want to know which cat won? What, uh, one, two, three cat won, because under toi cat sank. Ah, 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 <laughs> ah. Uh, see, I wondered, I wondered where you were going with the channel. I didn't know where that link was then. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Your daughters, your daughters went for a treat. <laughs> how many, how many have they heard from you so far? Oh my God, that is, yeah, that is just the tip of the iceberg. The, the, the embarrassment. The, the, at least they laugh. At, at least you laugh. Sorry, they just. They're a tough. Me they're a tough crowd, stuff. though, kids. They're a tough crowd these days. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I don't mind if they look at me with disdain. It's cool. <laughs> 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 I, I laugh though. I'm, I'm, I find that. <laughs> it's the important thing, isn't it? 
I still think the, the Doctor Who <laughs> knock, knock joke is quite funny, you know. <laughs> oh, class. Well, I think both of us just want to say thanks, Carl, for popping on. Much appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Carl. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Much appreciate. Thanks to Carl for joining us this week. Please subscribe as well as like and share on Twitter and Instagram at allchatspod.